This is Justin, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Denisha, and you are listening to the Focus On Me podcast. Hey, everybody. So for this episode, we thought we would do a little bit of a different type of conversation. I think it's no secret that the media and all of its different forms has a great impact on how we view the world. I know when it comes to like relationships, one of our first teachers are family of origin and people that we interact with in our family. But the media has such an amazing impact on our growth for both positive and for negative. So today's episode, we are going to talk about some famous TV couples and, you know, what our thoughts are about them, how their characters either influenced our our ideas on marriages from a negative or a positive perspective. So um, hopefully you'll have some fun with us as we just go through different couples, maybe for some of our newer or younger listeners, you might have to research and, and do some Netflix binge watching to catch up on see, to see who some of these characters are. Maybe to some of our older followers, you'll remember these couples. A lot of them, I think, were from shows from our childhood and even current. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so hopefully you enjoy this conversation. So who do you have up first? So I'm kind of go, going to go. Actually, I don't have an order, really. So I'm just going to kind of like shuffle through. So the first one I'm going to go back and forth. You're going to do a couple right, of numbers. I'm going to shuffle okay. through this one. Like I'm, just, okay. I, like, I want to go, I'm not going to pick the first one on my list. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So it's going to be Doug and Carrie. From? Oh, man. What is uh King of Queens? King I almost Queens, forgot the name. Right. I was about to say the Queen of Queens. <laughs> Jeez. So, Doug and Carrie Hefferman. Doug and Carrie Hefferman, yeah. Yes. Hefferman. Hefferman. He- he- you know what they need. I know, but the people need to hear you say it right. Well, I actually, had a, I actually had a coach named Mr. Hefferman, so that mm. messed me all up. Yeah, anyway. you get messed up a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, Doug and Carrie. So, I, I, I had them on the list. Um, I, used, I, I used to watch King of Queens a lot. Um, I still watch it. Oh, yeah. No, okay, I don't watch it as much now as I used to. But I think the one thing that always stuck up out about them was how she bashed that Joker. Uh-huh. She all, I mean, Doug could hardly do anything right, which was, uh-huh. which was really bad because it wasn't that he was always doing right. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but even when he tried, his try was just like falling fall on deaf ears. It was like running to a wall it, it didn't even matter. No matter how hard he tried, it was just like, yeah, that's not gonna work. And he and he just couldn't catch a break. Now I'll say this about <laughs> Duck, because I I don't like I don't like Carrie's character either. I feel like she was so abusive, and, yes. and that can open up a whole nother conversation right there. Like her words were harsh, her tone was harsh, and she was like physically abusive too. Yeah, she punched that joke all the time. Like she would hit him, and I think. That opens up a good moment to talk about how, like, a lot of times we always talk about domestic violence from a female being abused by a male partner. But a lot of times we don't talk about the reality that men can be harmed by women. And because when they're being hurt, they're usually seen as a punk or being a sissy or something like that. And he never hit her. No. But, you know, she totally was wrong. And how she interacted with him. Like at one point, like he go, she tried to give him like a purple nurple. Oh, and man. he was like, so many years of scar tissue. That don't even hurt right. no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that that's something like she was terrible. Now, I got to also say this, though. As much as I want to give Doug a pass, 
right when I be pulling for him, like, man, she treat him so bad. He would do something stupid. I'm like, see, now. And he did. Dang. I mean, he do get mad. That's why I said he wasn't always right. Like I, I remember when um she didn't, she didn't, she couldn't cook. She, uh-huh. she, she hardly would want to cook for him. Uh-huh. And I remember the episode. I don't know if you remember the episode when the girl was cooking all the food. Oh yeah, his upstairs wife right, and his downstairs yeah. wife. He was cooking. He, she, he, he was love. And the, the man was eating. He was testing stuff out. She got all jealous about it. it well, like, come on, he was playing her though. But you, but you know what? <laughs> Listen, he was he had to, he was learning to get the best out of both. Right, because he was trying to keep he, her up. Stairs, but he, but his, the other thing was, he was wasn't trying to go hungry. Because <laughs> either, either it was either that or he was going to make something. Some, because he couldn't cook. Doug couldn't cook either. Well, so. <laughs> I think what was important in that is he, because it was the girl who walked the dog. Janine. Uh, no, that's oh. her name on Blackish. Uh. <laughs> what is her name on there? But anyway, she yeah. gave him the parts that Carrie wasn't giving him. Yeah. And so he would go upstairs like to be intimate with Carrie. Mm-hmm. But come downstairs to get the food that um, but you, she would cook. So he was trying to find the best of both yeah, worlds because she was lacking. Like Carrie was too busy trying to shop and you know be a career woman, and be mean, and be mean. I mean, and the other thing she was, was mean. She was yeah. and she she benefited too from from that too because she didn't have to cook. Mm-hmm. He was eating, and she still got to love it. Mm-hmm. And she was all right with it. She's like, oh, she's like, oh man, like you know, she thought he had a new new uh, burst on life because he was eating. <laughs> He was actually and eating good food. But Doug also had a lot of selfish tendencies too. Though. Yeah, he did. But I mean, like that specific instance. That's what I. That's mm. one of the moments where it was like he was definitely trying to get the both of both of both both the best of yeah, both best. worlds. Okay, there I we can't go. Even get it right. We there got it. It's all the right. Best of both worlds. There we go. But all like I said, all that brother was trying to do was get was get some good food because he, he wasn't just trying. That's one episode though. You, I think I'm talking about that. That's that's the episode that came to mind. Right, like, so gotta, like Doug was. He would lie a lot. You know, he would be where he was supposed to be. Usually when he was buying something or... Him and Deacon would be out doing something. Which, again, I think a good talking point around the the tragedy in their relationship was there was no honesty for good reasons because when he wanted to do certain things... He didn't want him to. She she didn't want him to. So he would lie about whether it was watching the game or going to see a sport. You know, he had to lie and that's you know not cool that there was no open honesty in their relationship and that, i mean and why wouldn't you want your mate to be able to go do something they like to do uh-huh. i mean she didn't want to go right so it wasn't like, it wasn't like he, and, and he was going with deacon it yeah. wasn't like he was taking a woman yeah. that you know a co-worker that uh-huh. he was taking deacon and deacon was was not gonna let him get in anything because he knew that carrie uh-huh. would have him and kelly would have him uh-huh. Now, one last thing about this couple I think that was interesting is the parents, right? Oh, man. Arthur. <laughs> and I was going to bring up Arthur, too, because Arthur was a whole nother plague. Rest in peace. On, 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 on Doug. Because, I mean, it was like, come on, man. But he, he couldn't get a break. Arthur I loved up, Arthur. Nothing. Like, just... But, but you know what? I think Doug was really patient with Arthur. Which is not something you see a lot of times in relationships with like in-laws because honestly, Arthur alone probably could have been the cause of them getting a divorce. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but Doug had yeah. a lot of patience. And, you know, we're going to talk about in-laws and another couple here, but I really think that, you know, Doug should have got a pass with Carrie just on the fact that he had to deal with hit her daddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, every day. So what every would you day. say, like, a life lesson from the Heffernans, whether or what to do or what not to do? What would you say they show us? Well, just to start the back end, uh-huh. meet the parents. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> meet the parents. Now, uh-huh. That'll be the first thing. Meet, see how you engage with them uh-huh. because it could not end well. Uh-huh. Um, or it could or it could be excellent. Right. The second thing is, well, and that's the one thing I was just also trying to figure out is, when did it all go wrong? Like, what? With them. All of it. Because, <laughs> no, what I'm trying to, what I'm thinking is like when they show, when they throw back and show that one episode where he had like the pompadour and she had the leather jacket. And they was lying. It started on like some yeah, lies. So, so, yeah. Because yeah. remember he was faking like he had the job, but then he had to go put the work uniform yeah, on. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So it started on a lie, yeah, so which might be another good life lesson. Yeah, don't start on a lie. Be truthful. <laughs> and, and it started, he didn't really want Carrie because remember he was double dating and she was double yeah, dating and yeah. they didn't like each other and she had an attitude on day one mm-hmm. which I think another thought that is that should have been a sign there right but she but here's <laughs> it wasn't just a sign she was true she showed up as that mean nasty person on the first date so well, that's what I'm saying it should have been a sign to him like me she's like yeah she's she's pretty she's got a pack uh the outside the the outside looks nice but maybe all that that's coming out of her mouth and all because she, I mean, she like, didn't, she didn't like change or turn on him. That's kind of who she was when they met. But you know what it was? It, what it was is he felt like he got a catch. He was like, "Oh, nobody." He was terrible, right? So that, and I think that's that's a, a good point. Not to just feel like, "Oh, you got a catch," because you feel a little not too great about yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't feel, let the catch catch you in some way, mm-hmm. and that they appreciate all of who you are without you pretty much downing yourself and turning yourself off mm-hmm. for them. Well, I will say this, though. I still think Carrie was an upgrade for Doug, though. So I don't and feel like was, he was. And I'm not, and I'm not saying she wasn't. That I, I don't know if accepting the treatment was a balance. You know, being bashed and beat up and, and beat up physically, emotionally, and mentally was a trade-off for her being an upgrade. Like, eh. I agree. But, yeah, I feel like that was still a come up for Doug, though. I'm not saying it wasn't. Okay, so my couple is Julius and Rochelle (laughs) from Everybody Hates Chris. (laughs) Now, I hate that show. I might be one of the only few people who do. (laughs) I hate that show, and I hate that show because of how Rochelle acts. If you watch the show, one of her famous lines, especially when she be quitting all her jobs, is I don't have to take this. My man got three jobs. And she's so loud and she's so domineering. And she's so, to me, I, I think it fits that narrative of the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing was, I didn't know, I knew Terry Crews played the main, like the husband, but I didn't know what his name was on the show. <laughs> Which I still think that is indicative of his character. Right, she's the loud one. She run the house. She always yelling at the kids. Always disciplining the kids, and he's always working. He always working. And I do appreciate the whole working part, part, mm-hmm. and you know, being a provider. But I also have to wonder, like, is he working because he just don't want to be home <laughs> and don't want to be in the house with her? Right. But then the next question comes back: Is is she like this because? She taking care of all the things right, and it's right. too much for her. 
So is it the chicken or the egg? Like, I don't know. And I don't know this show well enough to know all the nuances because I can't deal with her. I cannot deal with that character. And, you know, when I watch it, I'm like, this is all the things that are wrong with women. And I, um, (laughs) one of the books I'm working on is, you know, being, and I probably have to change the title, but when I was first talking about it, it was going to be being a Proverbs 31 woman in... Oh, shoot, what's the title? Oh, yeah, being a Proverbs 31 woman in an Olivia Pope world. Okay. So Olivia Pope was the main character on Scandal. Oh, yeah, okay. Right? But the point I was going to look at is that in Proverbs 31, there's so many admonitions to the king's son about women. Mm -hmm. And I remember years ago taking like a highlighter and highlighting all the things that were (laughs) wonderful about women in purple and highlighting all the things that were negative about women women in orange man that whole book was orange (laughs) (laughs) it was like two chapters proverbs 31 and then like a couple verses here there that were purple and it made me really think about like proverbs 31 and the admonition of what type of woman to look for and so when you think about even tv and media there's a lot of women that don't like whether it's olivia pope or rochelle or even Mm -hmm. carrie heffernan that don't fit what the Bible identifies as quote unquote godly character or a godly wife. And so when I think about like Rochelle's character, it would just make me think about all the things that are wrong or that can make a marriage go bad. And I'm sure we're gonna get to some males that make a marriage go bad too. Mm -hmm. But that was just one that I just absolutely despise because, and I know she's a great actress and she was, you know, trying to highlight certain themes, but I think that's far too real for so many people (laughs) right like they always say art imitates life and i think there are plenty of relationships that have a rochelle in (laughs) in charge (laughs) and even what it does for particularly in our communities of color what it does for uh the children that are being raised what they see and what they expect and what they think and then how you know, whether it's the girls, how they go on to treat men, what men expect or either totally despise. Yeah, that, that could make a big difference. Yeah. You know, and so I just think that like when I watch that show, I would just get so aggravated by how she would act. Well, I, I will say the one thing I could appreciate about not necessarily her, mm. but about Julius, is that he understood value of a dollar. Okay. He, he, uh, <laughs> he understood that wasted 35 cent worth of milk was not okay. And I could appreciate it about, listen, that's the one, if there ain't nothing else I could appreciate about aside of the fact that he had a, he had multiple jobs, which I mean, probably he could have just been, had one and been all right. But he had, you know, three jobs and he knew the value of a dollar. You know, he was cheap. you know, 20, spilling 25 cent worth of milk wasn't going to work. Somebody was gonna drink that milk. You know, was gonna pour it out. That mm-hmm. somebody else could have been drinking that milk. That's, you know, so I, I understood that. That was like, I'm like, yeah, that's it right there. That was and the one that drove me crazy too. <laughs> and here's a disclaimer, audience, podcast audience. No, I'm gonna tell it. <laughs> I'm gonna tell it. You can tell what it's all right. We'll go to the store and get a carton of eggs for three dollars. Eighteen eggs, right? Do the math. How much is each egg worth, Bunny? I don't know. I'm not that great. Right. I ain't finna go So, 
if if you think about it, three dollars for eighteen eggs. We make some eggs. It'd be a little egg, little piece of egg left on the plate. I'm done. I've had enough eggs for the day. And what do you say to me? That's like forty-five cent worth of egg. It's not even a fork full of eggs on the plate. You can't be wasting. That's good egg. And you be talking about that's forty-five cent worth of egg. Good egg, buddy. And I hate that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't say like, you gonna like it all, but I'm it'd be saying. like a bottle of water, like Dasani bottle of water, dollar fifty-two. Listen, and then it'd be three drops. He be like, that's seventy-five be, cent worth of water. It, it didn't even cost that much. Listen, it, it, it'd be like no, it don't. I've never, I've no, never. I, 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 I'm trying to think. You can't see our hands. So I know. That's I'm what I'm trying like, to tell you. It, it'd probably be like. A good, a good enough for for a nice little sopping swig, you know. But nice, it don't be ninety five cent worth of water. Oh come on! And it's a funny thing though because that is something I remember from the beginning that we had to work through. Because <laughs> like, look, listen, I bought that bag of candy. Oh man! Oh, and man. six months oh, later, man. you still have I'm like throw that away. Listen, and you like this. That's four dollars worth. If yeah, you don't yeah. throw that seven months old, you can't be throwing out all willy nilly. It was old. Listen, I could have took it to work and they would have it. Why didn't you? Because I wasn't trying to throw it away. And you threw it. And you threw it. Away. I know because we <laughs> didn't want to keep it. it. <laughs> and that's the thing because I remember. Oh. But I think it was interesting because I don't know why Julius does that. Mm-hmm. But I think about sometimes in our community particularly communities of color when we have had lack mm-hmm. you know that was a conversation we had like yeah. when we have had lack preservation is so important or we talk about like you know some people call it the gospel of scarcity mm-hmm. and we live under this mindset that we have to hold on to every little thing and yes it was four dollars and this is not four dollars worth of whatever's left over but really realize I'm like, we're okay. We got money. We can afford to waste 72 cents if that's really what we're wasting. Because the reality is, it's more that gospel of scarcity and always being afraid to be without that can get in the way, especially when couples do think about um, finances and how, because she was always shopping and she would get a little job for a day and then she quit because her man had three jobs. And it's kind of like, well, maybe if you had a better attitude, you could keep a job and your man could only have to work one job. Right. Or two, just the two. Because she wasn't going to let him just have the one. You already know that. Maybe not. So, you know, I think that's a great opportunity for us to even, you know, think about how we manage fear of lack, but also partnership. All right. Who's your next couple? Uh, So this will probably be a short one. Lester and Mary from 227. Okay, now, for our younger listeners, you're going to have to give them an understanding <laughs> of what 227 really was. 227 was, gosh, was, what, was it early 80s? Or, uh-huh. Okay, so it was, a, it was a show in the early 80s, black, black show in the early 80s. Um, Mary was nosy as can be. She had one child, and pretty much they was all in 227. That was the building. That was the building number, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the building number was 227. And, um, you know, you had Nosy behind Rose. No, was it Rose? It was Rose. They was all oh, Pearl. Nosy. Pearl, Pearl, Pearl sat in the window. Pearl was a Nosy. Rose, uh-huh. Rose, Rose is usually, for the most time, she was single yeah. for the most part. She did get married. She got one. married to, to the giant dude. From Terminator. 
he was also the uh the Bigfoot too. Was something he? else. Yeah, he was Bigfoot, something else too. Okay. Gosh, man, that was a long time ago. And Jack A. Uh-huh. So Jack A, that's when she got her big, you know, her, well, to my knowledge, her big start. Uh-huh. Um But Lester and Mary, I mean, Mary so one thing I, I really could appreciate about about Lester uh-huh. was that he was a business owner. Uh-huh. That was the first thing. So it was, you know, we had. Um, I'm kind of. They weren't on my list, but I can use them as an example. Hopefully, they're on yours. Weezy. And, oh no, uh, they ain't on mine. Uh-uh. Uh, what's my man name? Weezy and George. Hemsley. George. I'm, I don't know. I know it's Sherman Hemsley. Uh-huh. Weezy and George. Because George, he was. Uh, he was another business owner. He had his his cleaners. So I mean, those were two. I I, I absolutely loved. The fact that they didn't work for anybody, they uh-huh. owned, they, they had their own businesses. I thought that was so cool, um, especially when you go back to like good times and he was working, just working hard, just working hard. So coming back, Lester, he had, he had his own his own business. I thought again, I thought own construction company. Uh-huh. I thought was really good, um, and for the most, you know, he tried to do things. You know, he, for the most part, he was. Um, I feel like he was. Kind of stern, and you know he was pretty flexible. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was pretty flexible with a lot of stuff. He didn't like it, um, but I noticed it seemed like he always had to reel Mary back in. Okay, because Mary was always going so far, uh-huh. and it was like, "Come on back, Mary. Come on back. Come on." And, he, and it just always seemed like now that part was portion was a good portrayal of you know being a business owner. Uh-huh. I have no business. But it was a bad portrayal of a man always having to save the woman necessarily. Okay. Because because I I mean I'm just running through a bunch of episodes and I haven't watched them all, but I can't think of an episode where it was her trying to bail him out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was always he always had to try to find a way to bail her out of something because uh-huh. she was in too deep. Uh huh. You know, and it was like, man, like, does she, is she ever just go stay level? Like, you know? Well, yeah. So, I mean, like I guess this was going to be short with him because that. No, that no, was no. I think the, you're fine. I, I like that what you're bringing up about, again, I think they were a good example of showing a strong provider because Mary was a stay at home mom, too. Yeah. She well, might have worked time. a little bit yeah, here and there. And then she started but, that business, that little business. <laughs> which one? I don't with know. With the pillows. Remember with the pillows? Her, um, what's the name? Was making them pillows? Nah, I don't remember. They was, her and Jack K was making the pillows, buddy? I don't remember. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, man. That, but that but to the point, though, that I, I wanted to highlight is Lester was able to provide for his family. Yes. Um, now, watching it in 2020, I'd be thinking, like, how come they ain't had no house? Like, they lived in the apartment building. He was a business owner, you know, and so sometimes even that illusion of wealth, mm-hmm. A, what it's supposed to look like. If you have certain things, then that means you're wealthy. If you have certain right. things, that you have status. But like you said, Lester, you know, because I think he kind of matriculated up through the company. At first, he mm-hmm. didn't start with his own business, right. but at whatever point he, you know, became... Yeah, right, and so I think sometimes the illusion of what it takes to get to a point uh, in your life happens, I think, and, and couples get disillusioned when it doesn't happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Because Brenda was about 16 or 17 yeah. when he was the running the company. Mm-hmm. But like, as the Bible says, not despising this day of small beginnings. Right. And I think sometimes couples 
And I think we saw that a lot on TV shows in the 80s where people were growing together mm-hmm. and being able to have some, you know, endurance or longevity. So, yeah. yeah. So what do you think our, our takeaway from that couple is? Well, don't despise small beginnings. It's just one thing you say because, you know, pretty much you can build up. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> I guys, feel all church. Like, be faithful over a few things uh-huh. and you make it fruit <laughs> over many. Mm, like I feel all churchy. Don't like those. Not that. Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> you know that that's that's like you know I think those that probably is the best thing for me because I mean like I said him always having to reel her back in was was something that after a while I was like it's like this is getting old like she should know by now that that she shouldn't be up in this but so yeah I guess my my, my takeaway well, I guess here goes here goes takeaway from that don't be afraid to be the one to be the savior I guess sometimes sometimes mm-hmm. it's okay it's okay. And it's okay to accept the help. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Hey, that, that's what we get the ghost to. I guess I add on the end of that. Like Mary needed to sit down. <laughs> A lot of times she needed to sit down. And she did. And Lester was okay with telling her sit down. And he did. Even like in the little opening credit, there would be different scenes like when they would show, and like you would always see. I mean, he wasn't abusive, but nope. you know. Uh, Lester would gather Mary real quick, like, yeah. come on and have a seat. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think that um, is an interesting concept to think about, like being able to submit to um, each other in a relationship, especially when you're wrong. Right, right, so. right, right. So what you got next? Um, I want to talk about Jay and Michael Kyle. Okay. From My Wife and Kids. Okay. Now, if I understand that correctly, that's actually based on like Damon Wayans' life with his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people. I generally don't watch a show when it's on prime time. Right. I catch it like on syndication and reruns. Like I'm always late to the party. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I arrive to my wife and kids later than most. But it's probably one of my favorite um, TV shows because a couple things I love about that couple so they are on my love list mm-hmm. is I feel like they have really good balance okay it's not like a Rochelle where she all over the place not like Carrie where she all over the mm-hmm. place it's not like Doug who's kind of a pushover Julius right. who's kind of like I feel like they have good balance and they have their little stuff they be having yeah. their little squabbles mm-hmm. and and misunderstandings but I feel like they have a really good Balance and while I know we're going to talk about the Cosby's in a minute, while the Cosby's are great or the Huxtables rather, I felt like Jay and Michael Kyle were a little bit more realistic and believable. Okay, like I feel like the Cosby show everything was perfect all mm-hmm. the time, which is great because you need that little bit of relief from the stress yeah. of regular life. In your life. <laughs> but with you know, the Kyle's, it's like, oh, your child is. Your child got somebody pregnant. Like, none of the Cosby's got pregnant. Denise was the one that was a little bit, we was a little worried about her. Yeah. Vanessa had to go see the wretched with, you know, had the big fun with the wretched. <laughs> but, you know, they, they were pretty straight and narrow. Whereas, like, with the Kyles, their yeah. kids had some challenges. And watching how Jay and Michael navigated that, I think, was so powerful. Mm-hmm. You got thoughts on them? Um... So, you know, I watched them, but I think I had a little less 
of them solidified in my brain. Mm-hmm. So I do remember, I, like I remember you talking about getting pregnant. I remember because Megan Good actually started that. Mm-hmm. Then they switched it off to somebody mm-hmm. else. I was really confused when they did that. Threw me all off. Yeah. Um, well, they had the dark skin Claire and the light skin Claire too. So you know. Yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> it. I don't look. I don't. Yeah. I only remember the one. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah. So it's just I, I don't. I don't have too much to say about them. I guess. Okay, so let me keep going then. One of the things that I did see and can take away from my wife and kids or Michael and Jay is there were times and on some significant times where they did not agree. Yes. Like when he, so he got his girlfriend pregnant. Mm-hmm. But well, I remember that. Remember the episode when he had sex with her, he had sex in, in his, his parents' bed. bed yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Michael was like, you got to sleep in the grass. Like, yeah, you can't even come in the rise, house. Right. Yeah. She, and he like, you know, they had to really um, decide how they were going to handle that. That was disrespectful. And, oh, it's totally disrespectful. <laughs> like, if you're going to do, do it in your own room, like, totally don't do it in, in my bed. Like, yeah, you did. That was totally yeah, disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Di- like, that's that's some balls. Like, you can't do Don't something. get lost on that. That's not the point of the conversation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, my brain is like, what? No. Go ahead. Go ahead. But go ahead. how he wanted to handle it and how she wanted to handle it. Right, right. And what I can appreciate about what I think Jay's character did was basically like, I'm going to let you. I don't agree with this, but I'm not going to let this strongly interfere in our relationship. right, right. right. You know, she's like, that's my son. Get my son in the house. But it wasn't like to the point of we about to get a divorce because of how the kids are, you know, acting and how we're trying to parent them. And I think that that's a great thing for people to really look at because with those real life issues and I've seen so many times in family therapy where it's called triangularization, Mm -hmm. where it's a parent and a kid aligned against the other parent not the parents aligned with the kids and so on the other side so I think that they showed how to navigate those difficult challenges with their kids without letting the problems get become a problem in their marriage and they had their stuff oh yeah you know so they had their stuff but yeah so So, I guess I want to move forward go for it and this one kind of came to me on the fly. Me too. I just had one. Go ahead. It was blackish. I know. Yeah. So, so I, I can't like remember, I Bow and Dre. Bow and Dre. So yeah. I'm going to tell you. So again, I actually feel like there's a lot of realism in that. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and again, again, me being who I am, I was very excited and happy to see both of them with prominent positions with their own money. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I thought that, I thought that was a great representation. Um... Now, of course, their children, I mean, I'm not saying their children should know what poverty is, but mm-hmm. their children grew up bougie it, mm-hmm. it, 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 as a result of it, How? but they could afford it. And this was the life that they built mm-hmm. for their children. Um, so I could appreciate, like, the hardcore blackity black, 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 blackness, you know, that they was doing. But they don't have that. That's why they call it black-ish. Right. No, I'm talking about that. So, like, like Dre with, with Black Nanny. And Black Jesus, and you know he was trying. He was but trying hard. But that's the point. That's the whole point. I they know, not like. I know. But they was. But they were. They were doing their best to be black. No, I think they're doing their best to not be black. That's yeah. why, if you think of the whole first show yeah. when Lawrence Fishburne, like 
y'all not black. Y'all black-ish. Because remember, like, Dre, because of, I think, the, that racial trauma and, and systemic oppression that they bring oh, yeah, he to... Determined, he was determined. He was determined that he was going to have what they never had. And so, mm-hmm. it's almost like the his reckoning, or like, as Alex... His name is Alex Cross, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, he has the racial identity model and in those as people have their own understanding moving from assimilation to acceptance and so i think that's their process of reclaiming their blackness and their pride but anyway that's not about the relationship that was just the context of the story so what do you see in their relationship that you either like or don't so some of the things i i like i like that they did discuss a lot Uh they always discussed a lot right they didn't always agree uh-huh. But they always discussed, and I think the conversation is always necessary, uh-huh. especially when making decisions, and especially important decisions. You know, it's kind of wise to have those those tough conversations and those just whatever conversations. They, it doesn't have to be life altering. Have those conversations. I think that was that was really great with them, um, and I think that's a tool that anybody can use. Now I know, like I'm just kind of kind of like speeding through uh-huh. somewhere in there because I kind of remember. Like them kind of splitting at some point. Yeah. So I think they kind of lost their connectivity. Uh-huh. And then like everything was, everything was a problem at that point, you know. Right. Everything was arguing about everything, you know. Uh-huh. Everything. They were remodeling the house and arguing and uh-huh. separating, getting all their own, getting separate houses and all, just a bunch of extra stuff. So I did I, I mean, I didn't like, I guess one of the things I probably said I didn't like, uh, <laughs> I don't know why he did. But he, poor, poor, uh, not Junior, was it? It was Junior. Yeah, Did what? That he, I know Junior wasn't the brightest, uh-huh. but boy, he beat that Joker down. In, in the oh, head. yeah. He beat him in the head bad. Yeah. And I think that was something that, especially to be, you know, old, he was the oldest. Yeah, he was the oldest. Uh-huh. To be the oldest and to be your son. Your, your your child don't be your namesake, yeah, yeah, don't be no, because because I mean he already he you could tell he already had he was a slow learner, but he he wasn't helping him anymore, and you you wasn't helping him or even inspiring him to do more. Well, I don't feel like he was a slow learner because I mean he was smart. He, he was, was just what? different than his dad. He was some into like was, some of the stuff was just off. No, I'm mm-hmm. saying, no, like he was academically smart. Yeah, yeah he but he a, was into like Harry Potter and wizards and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Whereas, but see, that's what happened, and that's why his dad was always saying that to him. Like, you raising these kids in the suburb, and you wonder why this kid want to walk around with a uh, <laughs> a cape and a magician's hat. But Dre grew up in Crenshaw, right? Right. So went to Ho- Howard. And you can't expect your kids to be different when you put them in that particular environment. Right, right, right. Now, I will say this, though. I think the watching how Dre beat him down, I think, created that um, enmeshment between Bo and Junior. Mm-hmm. Because Bo always had to go in... You know, try and make up for what his dad was mm-hmm. <laughs> doing to him. Yeah. And I think that's a good lesson right there, right? How that, that triangularization I was just talking about. It was Bo and Junior mm-hmm. against Dre. Right. But it was also Dre and Zoe that were aligned. Mm-hmm. And Bo was always trying to kind of fit in or get into yeah. Zoe's world. Mm-hmm. So if parents aren't careful, if they don't remember, and I think that while it was 
subtle early on to the point where it got to the point where they were getting they were separated and all that kind of stuff i think it's those steps early or those are steps in the journey that get you to that place where one day you're looking at your spouse and you're like how did we get here right and so really making sure i always even when i do family therapy and they come in and i watch where they sit and it's so not uncommon that they'll sit on the couch and the kid will be in between the parents or like my office had a couch and the chair like a kid and the parent would be on the couch and another parent would be in the other chair. And after maybe a couple sessions, I would make them move. And I put the parents on the couch together and put the kid on the other chair. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted them to see, like, this is the covenant. This is the bond that has to first be honored. Yes, you love your child, but he is or she is coming in between Mm -hmm this unit right here so any other takeaways from blackish off the top no like my brain just thought about oh i was like oh i did too i think right at the same time one other i think this is another great case to talk about in-laws oh yeah because that because his mama and daddy oh man that was i don't know how you how that even worked and how often did ruby dre's mom and Bo get in it and that's and see and that's a problem that's a huge problem. Huge. That's like, because to me, there's got like, you know, I, I one thing I was always able to appreciate about my mother is I could come and talk to her about anything mm-hmm. and she would just let me talk. Mm-hmm. She just listened. No matter how she felt, she would just listen. Mm-hmm. So, and what she didn't do, she never got in between. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something, even my father, same way, never gets in, be- he won't get in between a re- me and a relationship. He'll listen to me fuss, and I will fuss. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. I get it honestly, mm-hmm. but uh, he will. He would. He won't step in between. And I can appreciate that because in that in that whole dynamic in Blackish, that was something that was to me something that could have caught. That alone could have been a, like, yeah, like yeah, we're done. Like, and right. I really think in a real life situation, it would have been. Oh, absolutely. Because it wasn't until Devante was born, yeah, the youngest child, that, so that whole episode where, where Bo wasn't able to nurse, mm-hmm. and she gave, Ruby gave the baby formula. Right. And that wasn't until, the, that was the first time that Dre stood up for Bo mm-hmm. and put his mama out. Right. So if you think about like how seasons, long that, but so you think about how old like the children like, were, right? Four seasons. But if you think about how many years, right, oh. that like equates to that, and and Bo would like, I don't know how she took that disrespect from Ruby on a constant basis. You know, she talked about her skin color, talked about her hair, mm-hmm. talked about her cooking, talked about, about her, her mothering, <laughs> talked about her clothes. You know, all the time, and it took that final straw for Dre to finally step up and protect his wife. Mm-hmm. Well, she shouldn't have. Because that was took, that took way too long. Now, that's a perfect example, brothers, of not what to do, of what not to do, rather. Mm-hmm. Because ain't no way in the world. I wish. I wish you would, too. I wish, no. <laughs> I wish somebody would. Because I got issues. And I, I already know that it don't take it don't take much of nothing for me to be like, excuse me? Like, wait, who you talking about? And, you know, talking with a lot of women, and and not just women, but I think definitely women, this idea of feeling protected mm-hmm. in their marriage, feeling covered in right, their marriage, right, especially right. 
from a biblical perspective, we always talk about submit. And a lot of women have a hard time submitting when they don't feel covered and protected and chosen. Right. And I'm not saying one means you don't have to do the other. I am saying that that is a real thing that people often speak to. And so watching that play out and watching the dynamic of how many times Dre left Bo out there to dry. Mm-hmm. You know, left him out there to dry and she was not covered. She was not no. protected. She was not chosen just with his own mama. Right. And that's not what's up. I'm sorry. And the way she would like even undermine the parents, like when she baptized the twins. <laughs> you know, like all the different things that she would do. And Dre would always be like, well, you know, my mama mean well. No, you and your mama gonna have to go on over somewhere. Listen, that mean well ain't always well. It's I'm not like at all. And so, yeah, I think that's just a great example. Even though I love them, I, right. I love them. I think there's still learning points from that. that oh, yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's do one more. You, you go. Well, I think we both kind of brought that one up. The last one was gonna, for me was going to be the Cosby's. Uh-huh. Um, I, again, another great example of career parents, parents with great careers. Um, you know, I could, I, 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 one thing I could appreciate is, again, they did, they, they talk too. They talk about a lot. But oh, thing, yeah. But, but one, thing I, one thing I thought was cool is how sometimes they would be talking about stuff uh-huh. that they knew, like, the kids had done or whatever. And they themselves already knew, so they formed their own plan on how they was gonna work work it out, uh-huh. how they was gonna do, how they, however they were gonna wasn't necessarily a quote unquote punishment, but it was this is how we gonna deal with this. And for the most part, and I could be wrong, you please correct me if I'm wrong. For the most part, they usually had a united front. Uh-huh. And I think that's... Except for the one time with Theo. That's why I said for the most yeah, No, no, that's, that's so when they I got think, in the fight themselves. So I think, and I think that's something in relationships and in marriage that are missing. That, okay, we're going to stand together. We're going to stand together. So this way there's no... And I think, we, I feel like we just... Yeah, we just saw it on um, Greenleaf. Okay. Where it was like, why'd you give Winky this? I told him he couldn't have this. Okay. So this way, how would I, how was I know? How did I know that you didn't? That you told mm-hmm. me. So it does not. It, when you have a united front, it does not allow children to play parents against each other. Right. And truth be told, it doesn't allow people to uh-huh. play the spouses against each other. Uh-huh. Because if you if you are if y'all are open enough about a lot of stuff about about things, period, uh-huh. they already know. The, the other uh, spouse or you know, person in a relationship, they'll know that if, they'll know if rather, um, what somebody's saying is true or not. Uh-huh. They'll know how much truth there is to it, if any, uh-huh. when someone comes to them with some bug. Uh-huh. You know, so I mean, like I, I often tell you about how, like, yeah, you know, this is why, like, when you go away, I go home. I come home, I might stop at the store, but I come home. Because I go to church. If I, if I go to church, obviously now it's a little different. But I go to church, you know, I, because I don't want nobody even thinking that there's anything going on. I don't want nobody even thinking that I said they took something wrong when I spoke to them. Like, no, I, sometimes I mean mug and won't talk to nobody just because. You know what I'm saying? But again, I think that 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 trust uh-huh. between the two of them was 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 so great that even in the bed. It's very rare again. Like I, I used to hear about this, you know, when I was younger about, um, um, you know, not going to bed, upset, uh-huh. and again, it's very rare on there that they did that. 
they went to bed sometimes talking or falling asleep or one was asleep and the other one was still talking. You know, st- simple stuff like that. Well, being a Cosby show connoisseur, mm-hmm. I got a couple of different thoughts. Mm-hmm. They did go to bed angry a I couple said, times. Often. I know, but that was one of the one of the highlights mm-hmm. one time where they were like, Cliff, we promise Claire was like, No, we promised we would never go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she kept going and didn't get the results she wanted and Cliff wasn't budging and she was like we're going to bed angry tonight <laughs> and you know he's she's snatching the covers off him and all this kind of stuff now i think in those moments when those hat those things happen it again usually has something to do with the kid that particular episode was theo he had picked him up from the jailhouse as she said you know and just different times when they had the issues or the beef between them it was usually kid related mm-hmm. it wasn't that cliff was cheating or she was right. cheating or it was something that they had the strong disagreement on and i do think when you're in love and you're in those uh, euphoric days of it's like we'll never go to bed angry and we'll talk it through and and then you find those bumps in the road or you know you hit those speed bumps of life and that little wonderful promise is not realistic anymore it's like probably the best thing we need to do right now is go to bed because if we keep talking one of us is gonna say something that we well, don't really mean it's not, and it's not and i don't always think it's necessarily being angry i think it's okay and healthy not to always agree yeah, so you know. I think that um, they show us that even the things that you say that you're always going to do well, right. when life hits, mm-hmm. some of that goes right out the window. Yeah, it may not always happen that way. The other thing that the show doesn't highlight because we meet them and they're already established, they already have five kids. Like they talk about, we know, of course, if you watch the Cosby show, they went to Hillman. Right, right. We know about their um, young love because Eunice Chantilly was her rival, you know, in the eighth grade. <laughs> Told y'all I'm a Cosby show kind of sewer. <laughs> but when <laughs> you think about like what their journey looked like, you already see them on this side of success. Right. I wish they, say, for example, did more flashbacks into what it was like to get where they are. I know there's the one episode when Elvin and Sandra have their first fight and they reminisce yeah. and that's great. And, you know, Cliff and Claire are talking like, yeah, I remember our first fight and they talked about that. And so I think sometimes life or people in real life don't always show you their negative sides. And I think it's a struggle for couples a lot of times, not just couples, but people when they don't see your struggle Right. Your success seems unattainable right. because they're looking at all of their struggles mm-hmm. and they're like, I ain't never going to get there. Like, uh, how am I? Because not only did they have five kids, they went to law school and medical school, mm-hmm. which is easily, you know, four or five years plus yeah. on the other side of your degrees you don't see at what point they started having kids Mm -hmm. and who you know how many nights did she have to stay up while he was doing rounds and how did she write her briefings with three kids you know because they're they're and they don't have no nanny you know they're fully functional professionals Mm -hmm. with five kids it's like how do they do that and she always looked good her hair always done he got all them wonderful sweaters (laughs) like (laughs) and i think sometimes families that are struggling I remember reading this book, and then I'll close with this, um, where it was a white man who was writing about not having a father, and he said how growing up, 
he always watched the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. And that was the only father that he knew. And he said, in his mind, his thought was, black people sure have it good. (laughs) And so any black person is like, you don't even know that. But I think that speaks to what I'm saying. What is portrayed sometimes by people Mm -hmm. seems so far-fetched. And I know, of course, it's TV, but I think that happens in real life too, whether it's in our churches or other community spaces where people's presentation looks so wonderful, but we don't really know the real struggle. And when we have struggles, that can normalize those struggles. Like, okay, we're not the only ones. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that there you know, when dealing with those things, I think it's great to have a level of transparency with people sometimes to let them to let them know and help them understand that you can do. We got through this. Mm-hmm. We had that same issue, mm-hmm. and this is the way we dealt with it. Right. You know, because sometimes when you, when you don't have um, examples in front of you, or you don't, or sometimes you just don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to deal with a certain situation. It's good to have someone around that you know, or, you know, a couple preferably, <laughs> that, you know, you could actually talk to, you know, to, to kind of like pick their brain, like, hey, you know, you know so how did you, how, how do you deal with a situation uh-huh. like this? Because it, it may give you some insight and also may cause you to not have to deal with certain issues the same way you normally would deal with them. Right. You know, it gives you a better solution. And it might even cause you not to have or go through some, some heartaches. Right. You know, so it's good. Wisdom is a good thing. Yeah. So my last couple is Ray and Deborah Barone. <laughs> They're from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, boy. <laughs> I love that show and I hate that show all at the same time. So a little bit of context. Ray is like the favorite son of Marie and Frank. Ray's wife is Deborah. And when you see one of the flashback episodes, when Ray, I mean, when Deborah was pregnant with twins, they look, they move out of their apartment and they look for a house. Frank has a friend, I guess, in real estate or whatever, who come, has this listing. The house is right across the street from his parents. She's naive. They're young. She's like, we already got this one child. We're pregnant with twins. We need a house. And how great will it be to live across the street from your parents? And Ray's like, I don't know that you really want to do this. And and it is Deborah that actually is the one that convinces him that this is great. You know, flash forward seven, eight, nine years, she's about to lose her ever loving mind oh. because she lives across the street right, from his parents. <laughs> and his brother lives with them and all this kind of stuff. So they are always at Raymond's house. Now, so there's two dynamics there. There's the in-law dynamic that we've already kind of covered or exhausted. But I want to speak to their relationship. Um, Most people would look at Deborah and probably say she's a nag. She's got some of those uh, Rochelle tendencies. Uh, Who was the other person we talked about that had... Oh, Carrie. Carrie. Some of the Carrie. Like, she's always angry and yelling at Ray. Mm -hmm. However... I think that unlike Doug, for example, or or Julius, Ray brings it on himself. So in yeah, this, Ray made a lot of poor decisions. In this <laughs> couple, like I see Ray as the bad guy. He's, Although 
there are some times that I feel like she kind of went too hard sometimes, or there are occasions that she has went too hard. How she go hard? Like I feel like th- there was uh, like one time I uh, said one time because it was like I, it's I only been like one time. I can't, think, I can't remember more than one time that it was something that he did, but it wasn't like I don't remember what it was. Sad part, but I remember she actually felt bad because of how hard she went on him. And she actually apologized, mm-hmm. which was, I was like, well, this is the first time she really went, you know, because most of the time she usually has reasons. Yeah, she always has reasons. So, she always uh, has reasons. Yeah. Here, And so if you watch the show, one of the things I always see is that, um, like, Ray always complains that he doesn't get enough sex. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I think that Ray doesn't take into account is all the things that Deborah does. She's a mother of three, two of those kids being twin boys. She does all the housework. She does all the tending to the kids, raising kids. Ray comes home and sits on the couch. He complains about her cooking. You know, he doesn't like help with the kids at all. And she's like, hey, help me with bath time or help me with laundry. Oh, He's just like, I'm tired. I worked all day. Now he writes for a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Bruh, your job is getting to go watch sports mm-hmm. and then write an article about them. And she's dealing with not only the three kids, but she's dealing with the mom who's always over there, Frank who's always copping the squad. Robert, who's always there, yeah. and Ray wants her to be this like superwoman and sex kitten. Yeah, yeah, he wanted it all. And I think again, that's like such. I I I feel sis because I remember like in my earlier like younger years, I was watching like man, she not doing right. She need to make sure he like she you know her marriage is her first ministry, and women don't understand the importance of sex and how important sex is to men. But as I started watching the show more, I'm like. What does he expect? Like, <laughs> sis is tired. <laughs> like, she is always, and she never is good enough because she's in the shadow of his mother. Right. And her, the mother's always over there reorganizing Ain't the refrigerator, food. rewashing her clothes, <laughs> criticizing how she's taking care of the kids. Yeah. And Ray is so hands off with not only the kids, but helping her navigate and manage the relationships mm-hmm. with his family. Yep. So, and then all he wants to do is play golf and he feels like, you know, he's had a hard day. He should be a relaxed. Like you don't ever really see where he's paying for her to go to like a spa day or having to. And then, you know, it's always about keeping up the image because there's this one time where he's, um, he challenges her that he can do the bills just as good as she does. And he screws it all up to where the power gets cut off. Like, and all these different things. And he goes to borrow money from his parents and basically says, Deborah has a shopping addiction. She's like, been gambling. So then now the family wants to do this intervention <laughs> with her as if she is just. And he just don't know, he just, he just don't know what he's doing, basically. But, he, but he's lying. Yeah, so, I know that. But I mean, he just don't know what he's doing because if she was able to juggle it and do the stuff before, I mean, if they had the money. Exactly. Right. So when it comes down to how her his family is treating her, mm-hmm. they treat her poorly because of how Ray represents right. Deborah. 
And that's another example where, you know, she's not covered. She's often left to fend by herself where it's yeah. Ray and his family and Deborah. And when the Bible clearly says for this cause, shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And he ain't mastered that leave and cleave at all. Because there's one time where she's going off on him. She's like, can't you ever just be on my side? And Ray is always pit between Deborah and his mother. And he never chooses Deborah. And I would feel like real upset. Like you wouldn't be getting none either. If that was the situation, like, no, you better go find your mama. Right. Because you're taking her side all the time. It's all about her anyway. Now, I know she can cook for you, but can right. she give you everything else you need? <laughs> Going across the street. So, you know, I think it's such... I remember in my family systems class in college, I actually used them for one of our projects, like, to really look at the enmeshed boundaries in that family and how that is impacting. Because even when, you know, with the child rearing... Anything Deborah says, Marie's got criticism for right. it. And he don't do nothing anyway. Right. And then and Ray's always like, well, I think we should do what my mom said. Like, this is so out of... I don't know why they don't have locks on their doors. I, don't, right. I mean, one time Frank actually even drove the car through the living room. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that Ray and Deborah are good points for us to think about, you know, ways to respond differently particularly around setting like boundaries and prioritizing your partner and making sure that your partner feels prioritized and feels protected so and i think those points right there uh-huh. would be my takeaway right there yeah definitely would be my takeaway from this so as we bring this episode to a close i know it's a little bit longer than our normal 30 minute um <laughs> episodes i think that one of my last thoughts for our listeners would be just really paying attention to one, the impact that media has on our relationships and our expectations and views on relationships. But also I think, you know, they always say experience is the best teacher. I don't think that that has to be your own experience. So whether that's real life couples or couples that we see portrayed in, you know, art forms, I think we can still learn and make some decisive actions in certain directions based on what we see and did it work for them or not. (laughs) So, you know, letting other people's experiences be teachers for ourselves so that way we don't have to make the same mistakes that other people make. Right, right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, If you did, feel free to leave a voice message. Some of you all have done that. We love listening to those as well. Please please go to our Facebook page, our Instagram page. You can go to the website, which is www.thecrownllc.org. You can access us if you want to send um, comments, direct messages, whatever. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you have thoughts about upcoming shows, please let us know. We'd love your feedback on how you think the show is, what you like, what you'd like to see more of. And we will catch you next time.